Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Christ-Centered CPA Podcast. Yes, I changed the name. I changed the name. Um, Christ-led, yes we are, but it just, it wasn't flowing like, like I needed the C's to see, you know what I mean? So it had to be, and I was like centered. That's it. And then he even looked better in print. So I was like, you know what? We 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 found our thing. We found our thing. So welcome to the Christ-Centered CPA podcast. I'm your host, Deanna Brooks. I have been a CPA since 2015. And I've also been a Christian for since, I don't know, since I was eight, but I had my own like kind of journey back and forth with Christ. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't, I didn't rededicate my life back to him until I got back into, until I was in college. And that's an interesting story that I probably will tell eventually as well, because the person or the people that got me back into church are no longer Christians. So that's a whole nother story time in and of itself. Um, but today, today I'm not going to be before you guys long because I need to, you know, hurry up and get to some work today. It's busy. I'm recording this on Valentine's Day. Okay. So we got to get to work. Um, but today I really wanted to talk about depression and, you know, the ideation of deleting oneself and how my walk with Christ played such an integral role in that and how it came, like my deliverance from severe depression and anxiety came through which God revealing to me his purpose and plan for me, which was rooted in entrepreneurship and in business, which is crazy, which is why we're here, which is why we're doing this thing. And so I kind of want to talk about that today. Hopefully it's encouraging for somebody who is struggling with the same thing, um, somebody who is struggling with depression. And if if you are somebody that struggles with depression or knows somebody that struggles with depression, the it's, it feels like the worst thing in the world. Like it, it seems it seems on the surface from the outside looking in like it wouldn't be that bad because it's all mental. It's all emotional. Right. It's your, your body's not physically on fire. You know what I mean? Not physically ill or you could be making some creating physical illness within your body within but you know what I mean from the outside looking in it's like I don't see how that's such a debilitating debilitating thing you know I don't get it but for somebody that struggles with that especially somebody who struggles with wanting to fight every day for the will to even live through the entire day it's the worst I wouldn't wish it I'm my worst enemy, and I don't wish it on <laughs> my worst enemies. I, I try to pray for these people, you know, who talk bad about me out here in these streets, but I still wouldn't wish that on them because it's lonely, it's isolating, it's hopeless. And if you've ever 
like felt a lack of hope. That's what I found triggers depression for me. So for me, let me give you guys some background. So I grew up um, South Side Chicago, <laughs> you know, um, both of my parents are Jamaican, born and raised in Jamaica, and they were older, right? And so my mom was in church, my dad, not so much. He struggled with alcoholism. And it was a lot of craziness in the household growing up. It was just madness and confusion all the time. Plus, we didn't have a lot of money to our names. Um, it was basically, I had a family of about eight people. So it was my mom, my dad, me, my sister, my three nephews, right? Am my counting? And then my niece. So that's what, seven people? Seven people living um, in a two-bedroom house, actually a one-bedroom before my niece came. It was like all six of us living in a one-bedroom house um, under a $40,000. No, it was probably $35,000 salary at that time. So my mom, she was making about $35,000 trying to support all of us. So it got a little tight. Um, I... Went to a church that, you know, believed that wearing skirts every day was God's calling for our life. So in the dead of winter, I mean, the snow could be up to here. I'm like swimming through the snow in a skirt. Okay. So when I'm telling you I'm, I'm getting clowned in every direction, like I wear skirts every day. My parents are Jamaican. And on top of that, your girl was a little chubby's baby. <laughs> hey, I was getting clowned every way that you could flip the thing, okay? And it wasn't until I went to junior high that, you know, it really started to, depression really started to hit me because although I was getting clowned in middle school and everything like that, Everybody in my neighborhood was still struggling with some manner or form of poverty, right? So that wasn't a big thing to me at that time because I thought everybody struggled with not having food or clothes or whatever in the house, right? Um, however, <laughs> when I went to junior high and I got, I made it into a selective enrollment program with a lot of other children who were, you know, more well-to-do and I had to drop, now I had to travel 15 minutes to make it to school every day. And I'm dealing with a whole bunch of kids. Now they're not necessarily rich, but they're middle-class. And in my mind, I was never exposed to middle-class. So middle-class looked rich. Like your parents got two cars. I would they do that. What? Oh, yes. For, for why? Three? Oh, y'all rich. You got a pool? I ain't know black people did that. Like, what you mean? You got a pool. You got a closet that's big. First of all, the fact that you got your own closet. And then it's bigger than three of me. You, you feel me? All of these things had me like wrecked because I'm like, oh, my God. Not only <laughs> are there people living like this. But I'm one of the only ones at this school that's not. 
And then that's when it really dawned on me, like, I don't have that much. Like, you know what I mean? And on top of that, I'm coming into my teenage years. I'm struggling with depression because I'm also heavier or self-conscious of my fatness because I was getting teased all the time for being quote unquote fat. So even when I wasn't like super, super quote unquote fat, in my mind, I'm still fat. And that's why I'm not getting the attention from the boys that my friends are getting. That's why, you know what I mean? I'm I'm feeling like teachers don't want to really give me the time of day or really give me attention because I'm the unattractive person in the class. You know what I mean? I'm the ugly friend. You, you see what I'm saying? So it was like all these things. I wasn't good at sports. I was always playing the bench. <laughs> the bench was my full-time sport. Do you hear me? I knew how to sit on that thing right. And it just was like, it felt like I was losing at every which direction. On top of that, the church that I was going to was super religious, right? Super legalistic. If you, if I came in looking like this right now with my, my wing liner, some makeup, mascara, lip liner, earrings, baby, and too, too many swoops of baby hairs, they swell up and now I'm going to hell. It's, it's, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's a wrap for you, girl. So I couldn't live up to these standards. And matter of fact, I was quote unquote saved, right? When I was like eight and then backslid and then got saved again at 11. And then this boy <laughs> at the church, he was trying to get your girl, you know what I mean? When it was time for me to turn 13. And, you know, like, um, I was always so intrigued by certain things, like by sex and by alcohol and stuff, because I, I saw it growing up in my house. And so I was always intrigued by it because I was exposed to it very early. And um, there was somebody who brought liquor to school. And I was just like, I just want to see what that tastes like. Like, I just want to. So I just like dipped my finger in it and tasted it. And I was like, oh, this is nasty. Why do people like this? Right. But I told this boy this story, right, of me dipping my finger in the alcohol and tasting it. You know what I mean? And he was like, you're not saved no more. I'm like, what? What do you mean? He's like, yeah, you're not saved anymore. You, you just you just tasted liquor. So you're not saved anymore. So I said, huh, you're right. I'm not. I'm not saved. <laughs> so I went around like, I'm not saved no more. Because I was just looking and searching for anything to relieve me of this heavy burden that I felt having to live perfectly a life without sin every day. Baby, first of all, let's be clear. I was living a life of skirts every day. I was living a life of not listening to worldly music every day. I was living a life of trying not to lie every day. But was I living a sin-free life when I was jealous, envious, you know, of other people? When I was coveting, when I was lusting, when I was, you know, gossiping about people? Was that really a sin-free life? When I was worrying about stuff, you know what I mean? When I was misusing and misstewarding God's gift on for me. Like, you you see what I'm saying? Was I really living a sin-free life? Was anybody, any one of them really living a sin-free life? That is another podcast for another day. But today, <laughs> I just wanted to be up under that oppression so bad. And I was like, you know what? Hopefully God shows me grace and he allows me to get back saved again before 
you know, because I used to have, first of all, every Sunday they would sing this song called The End of Times is Drawing Nearer. Can't you hear the Savior say, now's the time. Listen, every every Sunday, I'm like, every time there was a thunderstorm, I said, Jesus is coming. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Oh, my God. I'm <laughs> sorry. Things got a little crazy. But yes, y'all get the point, right? So I was terrified every day of Jesus coming back at any moment and your girl's going to hell. Like I swore up and down because for me, I was just like, if I got to live the rest of my life like this, this, this ain't living. So let me just live a little bit at least and then come back because they taught that if you, you know, you couldn't be saved outside of their doctrine. Every, everywhere else was babbling. Everybody else in the world was going to hell. Everybody wearing pants. Everybody going to Baptist churches, Pentecostal, uh, um, all of them, Catholics, it, all of them, okay? They all going to hell. So you may not want to, you know, engage in that stuff. Anybody who had drums in the church, they were going to hell, you know, just. I'm just give. I'm painting the picture picture for y'all. So here I am, you know, going to church. People, once they found out I'm not saved anymore, they're like, "Oh, let me pray for you since you can't play for yourself anymore." Oh, I'm so grateful that I'm saved because I'm gonna be more blessed than you. Like this was stuff I was getting met with every Sunday. And then on top of that, the dude who like you know wiggled me and talked me out of back, you know, back into backsliding because you know I had a taste of alcohol, so I'm I'm not saved no more. Yeah, he was trying to get at your girl. And we was doing too much too soon early on in life, okay? So I had all of that to contend with. Rumors were going around in the church. My mom's talking about I'm an embarrassment to her. Like my dad's cussing me out every five seconds because he's unhappy and just depressed in all of the world. You know, I'm I'm feeling fat. I'm feeling unloved. I'm feeling unworthy every which direction that you can turn. Um, my niece had just came into my life at this time. And then, you know, all of a sudden I'm a full-time mommy <laughs> taking care of this baby. And all of a sudden, that's another story for another day. But anyway, um, and then I'm not doing well in school anymore. Mind you, I've been an A student my whole life, and now I'm finally getting C's. And I ain't never knew what a C looked like on a report card until then. And they were telling me, like, if, you know, one of my classes was getting a D and flunking out, and they were like, if you don't turn this around, you're not going to graduate from this program. You're not going to go to high school. And I'm just like, oh, my God. You know, every rich direction, you know, the, the, the elders in the church, they they looked at me like, like this, you know what I mean? Nobody wants to feel hated everywhere they go around. So I started acting out in school. Teachers hated me. Everybody hated me. It felt like I hated myself more than any of them could hate me. And so it drew me into this depression because I was just like, I ain't got no money. I ain't got no people that really love me. I'm not worthy. God don't love me. So I ain't got no hope out here in these streets. And I remember every, every, every day. 
I would cry myself to sleep. Whether we were on a school field trip, I'd be crying. Whether we were in the hallway, we'd be I'd be crying. If we were at a, a, a volleyball game, I'd be crying. If we were at a basketball game, I would be crying. Everywhere we went, if we were at Walt Disney World, I would be crying. Now, i never been to, no, I did go to Walt Disney World, actually. That was for work one time. But you get the point. Anywhere that I went, I was crying, crying. Boo-hoo tears everywhere. Friends were getting mad at me. I'm just like, oh my God. It made me even worse because it just felt like I was a nuisance to the world. And I used to get so mad because I'm just like, God, I'm a nuisance to everybody. This world would be better if I was not here. However, you are over here telling me if I decide to take my own life, then I'm going to go to a worse hell than this. How much more unfair can this get? This is trifling. Why did my mom have me? Why couldn't she have had an abortion? Like I get people be having sex and stuff, but like, couldn't she have had an abortion, Lord? Like, why did you allow me to be born? Like I was legit pissed, mad. Why did God allow me to be born? And then it was one day, I was so sick of it. I was on the bus one day going back um, from another game, another whatever game where I was riding the bench again. And I was just like, you know what? I started fantasizing, started fantasizing like, okay, we are on the expressway. If I ran to the back of this bus and unlocked that like emergency latch in the back, first of all, nobody would know what I'm doing because they'd be like, what is she trying to do? Especially if I'm real quick with it. You know what I mean? Like we go, but we got to get quick with it. And I was like, and I could just like run out and run into the middle of the expressway. And the idea brought me joy. It was the first time I felt like I have agency to do some stuff. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. So I'm like, I'm hyped, right? I'm hyped. I'm getting ready. I'm inching off this, off my seat. I'm like, I this got to be quick. So I'm trying to get mentally prepared. I'm not even thinking about what I would be getting myself into after jumping off the bus. I'm just thinking of the freedom from this pain that I will be relieved of, right? So I'm like, I'm in it. And so as I'm inching off, all of a sudden, I'm like trying to hype myself up. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice in my head saying, stop, stop. And he was like, I need you to be the hope that you wish you had for yourself for some other little girl who's coming up behind you who's in the exact same position. And when I tell you that changed my life forever, I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit talking to me at that time. I didn't know it was God talking to me at that time, but I just knew I had a renewed sense of purpose. I had a renewed sense of self-worth. And so I changed my life from there. Then I went on this journey of figuring out what I was good at, what I could do, how I can earn money, how I can help my family, how I could become the best that I can to become a motivational speaker one day that will save the world and, and bring up other girls that are struggling with the same thing behind me and let them know, hey, whatever you're struggling with, there is hope. <laughs> there is hope. There is hope. And so that's when I went on my journey and became an accountant and all this stuff like that. Then in my adulthood, I got met with that same depression that I felt when I was 13. And the reason being because I started realizing that my career wasn't careering. Like it wasn't doing the thing that I thought 
was going to give me the message to deliver the hope that I had lived for at that moment. Because that's what put me on the track. That's what gave me hope to keep living. And so when I saw that I wasn't even motivated to keep living the next day, I was like, I can't motivate nobody else. Then I started spiraling again. And, and then it took me some, some level of discovery to realize that what I was missing was hope. I was missing hope. And the scripture talks about hope deferred makes the heart sick and how um, faith is the evidence of hope, things hope for the evidence of things unseen. And so faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things unseen. But you see what I'm saying? Like hope is a resounding theme in the Bible. And there's a reason. There is a reason God wants his people to have hope in their hearts, right? And so when I started getting back deep with God, like I started, he, I was in this hopeless place where I had no choice but to reach out to God again. I said, God, because I had gotten back into church. That's a whole nother podcast, like I said, for another day. But I got back into church and I was like, God, I don't want to be here anymore. You got to tell me something. I cried in the bathroom at work one day and I said, God, you got to tell me something. Y'all, these dogs. These dogs. Anyway, and I remember the next day, Somebody calling me and was like, let's move to Houston. And I had already been thinking about moving to Houston and doing all these things. And then I just felt like I couldn't because like I had to be everything for my mom. Like my dad had just passed at this time and it was just a lot going on. But all of a sudden I felt this renewed sense of hope again, right? Because in my mind, my mind got to turn and I was like, what would I do if I didn't have to do this career anymore? I would probably go do hair. I would I would be able to in control of my own time. I would free myself from everybody else's expectation of what I should be doing in my life. I would, I would be able to open myself up to other sources of income to make however much I want and not have to kiss anybody's butt or bend over backwards or people please or compromise my integrity, compromise my faith just to make more money to make ends meet. Say less, sign me up. And it's from that moment forward that started the journey of me never, ever struggling with depression and that at that level ever again. And for me, the remedy was hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. God wants his people to have hope in their hearts. So for me, entrepreneurship or the idea of entrepreneurship and the idea of my purpose being baked and God's calling on my life being baked in entrepreneurship gave me hope because it gave me the sense of agency where it's like, I don't have to compromise any of what God created me to be. Matter of fact, all that he created me to be is going to get me everything that I desire to have and incur and allow me to encourage all the people that God is calling me to encourage. And so that was just the quick story that I wanted to tell today to give y'all the background of like what has gotten me on this journey, what has kept me here and how is so much rooted 
in God speaking to me every single moment that I was delivered from a sense of depression and hopelessness. It was all driven by a word from God each and every time. And so I can't do this thing. Now I know, like I tried doing the, and if y'all listen to my last podcast, y'all know, I can't do this thing without God and nor will I ever try. That's why I'm hundred percent yielded. And so if you are somebody who is struggling with depression and sense of worthiness and a sense of desire of purpose and wanting to live, I encourage you to get before your creator and find out what he created you for. And my prayer is that that gives you the hope that you need to just push on for another day. Okay, so I'm going to log off because I need to get back to work. But I I pray that you guys receive this and that this blesses somebody. um, And that y'all have a wonderful week. I will be back again with another podcast. Please share this with somebody who you believe this could benefit, this could help, please, please um, leave a review. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, do all these things because I'm hoping that whatever God has placed on my heart to share can impact somebody, even if it's just one person. All right. Well, I'll catch y'all later. Bye.